Hollywood is rated LGBT Radio, starring your host, Rob Watson! Welcome, welcome, welcome to this installment of Rated LGBT Radio. I am your host, Rob Watson, and we have a really interesting, fascinating show for you today. Um, this is an un- or a, a story that is unfolding um, real time, really. I mean, we're, we're stepping into the life of a, a teenager and his issue with his high school, um, almost as it's happening. Um, but we're getting the story. The story was published in the Los Angeles Blade and um, a couple other places, but uh, Blade is what really will get big time um, for people who've heard of it. Um, the story centers around 17-year-old Tyler Johnson, and Tyler it goes to a school named Tyler, I'm sorry, uh, Tully High School, and it's located in Syracuse, New York. Um, he was honored with a profile um, in the school publication, and uh, in that profile, he decided that it would be important, and I totally agree with him, to come out as gay and talk about how he had overcome bullying and depression and a lot of other obstacles, which should have been a story of absolute inspiration uh, for the other kids in the school. Uh, When he wrote that and turned it in, the principal of the school censored him. And I won't go into the details of the story, but um, uh, the principal really was basically forcing Tyler back into the closet. And uh, as it turns out, this isn't the first time said principal had pulled these kind of shenanigans. Uh, this had happened previously to a, uh, the school social worker, um, whose name is Kyle Toronto. And Kyle had in um, a publication in the school was just simply writing up his bio and was just happening to mention that he lived in the area with his husband. And again, the principal pulled that out and wanted to censor him. Um, So we we see a pattern here. I think this story is super important because a lot of times we feel like the issues at schools and for our kids across the country in terms of being LGBTQ um, is taken care of, that we're making huge progress and kids don't have to deal with this anymore. We have movies like Love, Simon that come out, and in those films the main character is embraced and everybody is just all supportive and, you know, and and life is just hunky-dory. Well, that isn't the experience for a lot of kids still across the country. And Tyler's story is, I think, important to be told so we know, number one, it is not just accepted and there is friction and harm done to these teenagers, Um, and two, that we can go after it and resolve it, and we'll find out what's being done on that score. Uh, With that, I want to welcome my co-host, the editor of the Los Angeles Blade, Brody Levesque. Brody, welcome to the show. Hey, Rob. Good afternoon. Good afternoon to all of our listeners. Good morning. Good day. Thank you all 
for subscribing, listening in, and sharing our stories. We really appreciate it. Uh, A couple of things uh, that happened this week um, that I think uh, are kind of uh, newsworthy and noteworthy. Uh, Researchers at the University of California, Los Angeles, have come up with a significant advancement in a method which would actually kill HIV-infected cells. Now, this moves the scientific community actually a step closer to eliminating uh, the virus. The study was published uh, and was peer-reviewed. Essentially what this thing does in very plain English is that they found a way to put into this uh, treatment, okay, a way through the medication where they can do what's known as a kick-and-kill method. Now, basically what this does is it's using cells that the body's already naturally producing in the main, in the uh, immune system to kill infected cells inside the body, but in particular targeting cells that are infected with HIV. HIV in the human body can hide. What these things do is they go after them. Um, the study found that using this methodology, that 25% of the previously dormant HIV cells died within 24 hours. Um, So what they've done is now they've flushed it out of hiding by using another system and another combination, and they're analyzing that. And what it looks like is that they're one step closer to finding uh, a system where they can specifically target, if you will, uh, the HIV virus and nail it, especially in the hidden parts of the body. So, and uh, like I said, came from the David Geffen School of Medicine at the University of California, Los Angeles Center. So that was kind of a critical thing this week. Yeah, that's awesome. That is an awesome development, and um, we'll watch it. I mean, it's a little bit ironic that um, we've had this virus for um, 40 years or more, um, and we've been dealing with it, and it may you know, hopefully uh, this will be just a huge landmark change in it. And at the same time, we now have COVID across all of our society that we're we're dealing with. So sort of to to quote uh, Roseanne, Rosanna, Dana, that's not one thing, it's another. Anyway, (laughs) this is phenomenal, phenomenal. It's it's a, yeah, and it's a big step forward. Uh, so props to the researchers at UCLA for their work and their continuing work. Uh, the study was also underwritten by uh, AMPAR and some of the other uh, foundations, so this is kind of an all-hands uh, effort. Um, in Concord, New Hampshire this week, the New Hampshire House of Representatives uh, reintroduced a bill from the last session and passed it uh, on a 223 to 118 Uh, vote and then send it to the Senate. This is House Bill 238. This particular bill would provide that defendants accused of manslaughter and murder would be unable to use the victim's gender, gender identity, or sexual orientation as a defense. Now, this would put New Hampshire, if it's passed by the Senate and the governor uh, signs it, Uh, would join probably about another dozen or so states that already banned what we're calling the gay panic defense. So that happened this week in the New Hampshire legislature. Um, 
which, you know, again, props to them. And I think uh, that's pretty uh, that's pretty amazing that only a dozen states have that. I mean, I'm looking from the purview of California, which we have had that for, I believe, decades now. Um, And it's it's surprising that it's taken so long uh, for other states to adopt that. Yeah, and it is a, a it's a little bit on the tragic side of life, but I mean it's it's again it's like with conversion and reparative therapy, uh, which is going to segue into my next uh, uh, discussion point here. It's we're getting closer. I mean, conversion therapy has now been banned in 22 jurisdictions across the United States, so we're moving ahead with that. It would be nice to see the gay panic defense go from a dozen to quite a few more, and obviously we're going to have to work on it. And the last story I just wanted to run with you real quick, uh, conversion therapy uh, was officially banned in my, uh, my home country. So props off uh, to my government uh, and my country of Canada. Conversion therapy is now banned across the entire federation, all provinces, and it's about time. Uh, the, the law took effect uh, a couple days ago after it had received the loyal assent. Uh, and it did, and here we go. So uh, it's official. As of uh, this week, no conversion therapy anywhere uh, in my country. So hopefully maybe That's... one day, Rob, your country will do the same thing. Well, hey, uh, my state already did a long time ago. Um, so, yeah, the, the country needs to. But I, I remember when this was even being proposed in California, I wrote an editorial in the Huffington Post, um, actually berating the California Psychological Association, which at that point was not supporting the ban. And in the course of that, they changed their minds. The head of that, the California Psychological Association came on in the discussion of my article and went back and forth about why they were, had been reluctant and then why she finally they embraced it. But California was the first that got that whole thing running. So, so Brody, um, kudos to Canada for finally following California's lead. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> if we're going to do the one-upmanship. <laughs> Great. Any yeah, other yeah. news stories? <laughs> no, that's, that's it. I, I want to make a note that uh, – my columnist, James Spin, uh, who wrote Tyler's story and spoke with uh, Tyler and uh, Kyle at length, uh, I also spoke to them. Uh, but uh, Jim alerted me to the fact that there's been some more recent develops, uh, developments in the story that have to do with the superintendent, uh, the principal, and the way Jim phrased it to me, and I'll let you talk to Tyler and Kyle about it, uh, but... Uh, you know, this goes a lot deeper. Uh, people have made statements that the principal, uh, Mr. O'Brien, apparently has a track record for some deeply homophobic uh, statements and, and attitudes, uh, and that the superintendent has also been caught lying in this regard uh, by members of the community. Uh, so Jim said that uh, it would probably behoove us to have Tyler and uh, Kyle uh, weigh in on that as well. Uh, and with, with that, I will throw it back to you. Yeah, no. And uh, first we, we want to talk about the story itself, and then we definitely are going to get into that. 
um, and uh, find out what that's all about. But uh, at this point, I'd like to welcome uh, Tyler and Kyle to the show. Welcome, guys. Hello. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks for, for joining us today. Um, Kyle, I want to go ahead and start with you because your experience actually happened first. Um, can you tell us yeah. what happened with you and, and uh, your conflict with the school? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so in September of last year, I was a new hire at Tully Central School District um, as a school social worker in the elementary building. And um, so in the beginning of the year, they asked all the new hires to write a bio. Um, in that bio, they say, you know, follow suit of the year before, read exactly kind of the same format. Um, so that's exactly what I did. And, you know, in the last part of the paragraph, um, everyone else had mentioned who they live with, their family members. Um, so I had mentioned that I live with my husband. Um, and a couple days went by after I had completed that and submitted it. Um, and the superintendent of schools um, pulled me aside in the hallway um, and had said, you know, um, we can't really run that in print, and I'm going to let you know why. There's some board members that won't approve of it. Um, so we're going to actually take that part out of it um, and kind of leave everybody else's family members in it, kind of thus making mine, mine look different. Um, so, mm -hmm. you know, I kind of went back to my office, was extremely upset, um, tried to pull myself together, went home for the weekend, and, you know, came in and I said, you know, I don't feel comfortable, I don't feel safe in this school. Um, and I just, I don't approve of this. This makes me feel disgusting. Um, and at that point, someone had went and spoke with Superintendent Rob Hughes, um, and he had come into my office and apologized and said that he was going to run the original print. And you thought that that, that was that you had, you had fought the battle, you know, corrected the wrong and no kids would be harmed by the attitude that you had run into, right? Right. And, you know, in the back of my mind, um, I accepted the apology because, you know, I'm a social worker. I have a bleeding heart. You know, I, I believe that everyone has kindness in them. Um, and, you know, I kind of accepted that. But in the back of my mind, my biggest fear was that it was going to happen to a student. And, you know, I told Superintendent Hughes, I said, you know, we have kids in this building alone um, that experience these things. And we have families um, that identify this way. And I, I don't think it's appropriate. But it was my biggest fear right. that it would happen to a student. Right. And Tyler, um, you, going back a little bit in time for you, um, you were coming through schools and grappling with the fact that you were gay. Um, what, what was that like for you finding out about yourself? It was, it was hard. Um, I didn't live in the most accepting environment at first. I was, when I started first kind of discovering that I knew I was gay, uh, I was currently living in West Virginia um, in a very small town. So it wasn't somewhere that you could really be openly yourself, um, especially if you were gay. Right. So I continue to just kind of like try and hide it and just make sure that no one would ever find out, you know, kind of suppressing it, doing anything I could. Um, and then the bullying and stuff got really bad at that school. So I actually transferred schools. Um, and it continued to get worse. So halfway through my eighth grade year, into my ninth grade year, actually the beginning of my sixth grade year is when I started getting really sick, like physically sick from the stress mm -hmm. and anxiety and like the depression. It was like making, it was giving me physical like sickness. Um, 
actually ended up having two probably unnecessary surgeries. I had my gallbladder and my appendix removed. Oh, my God. Because, you know, we had doctors trying to figure out where my pain was coming from and, like, why I was having all of these issues. And after I came out, I, I've never had another problem. I, right. You know, I, my anxiety, my depression hasn't been bad at all. Um, you know, just the, the, the typical, like, high school anxiety you get but nothing like it used to be, and I've actually been thriving. Um, but, you know, just going through all of that, it, it was scary. Um, yeah, no, me, horrible, but. and, and yeah, really, and tough to, to deal with. And I relate uh, on many levels, because I had a lot of depression myself when I was your age dealing with being gay. Um, so, yeah, it's like you're, you're speaking for a lot of us, um, I don't know that all of this went to the point of actually having surgery. Um, that I think you had a little extra pain um, in that regard. But, um, yeah, the, the feelings definitely were there. What was the coming out process for you like? Who did you tell and how did you get more comfortable? So I kind of – so I came, I came out in 2019. Um, that was my ninth grade year. I actually went homeschooled halfway through my ninth grade year because it was just the bullying and everything was just kind of too much to handle. So my mom pulled me out of school. I started going to therapy. You know, that helped a lot. Uh, my therapist was the, the first person I told. And then from there, she kind of started making me feel really comfortable about who I was. And then I told a few friends, um, told someone in my family that I was really close with, um, a cousin that's the same age as me. And then... One of my friends actually was visiting me for a week, her and her mom, and I told both of them. At this point, we were moving to New York in about a month. So I wanted to tell my mom before I moved because it was kind of like a fresh start for us, you know? Mm-hmm. So I figured out a way to do it, and it was actually pretty creative because um, I didn't want it to have to be this, like, super nerve-wracking thing. Like, I wanted it to kind of be this positive thing. Um, so I made a poster board out of candy bars that kind of said my message and then had her read it. And in that moment, I only planned on telling her that night. I didn't plan on telling anyone else, but maybe my stepdad. Right. And then after her like outpouring of like love and acceptance, I kind of told my whole entire immediate family, um, within the same like two hours. And mostly they were positive responses. I had, I had a few that were pretty questionable that weren't the greatest. But, you know, I've, I've pulled through that, and I think that kind of made me stronger too. But, like, it's also made me closer with those people now because they've kind of understood where I'm coming from, and we've had conversations, and they, they were never exposed to it before. I'm really the only – there's only, like, maybe three people in my family that are out. So And before me, there was only, like, one. So – it was kind of new to them. Most of them say that they knew. Um, they were just kind of waiting for me to be comfortable enough to tell them. But yeah, I kind of, I just told one person and then I was like, you know what? That went well. Let's continue it. Right. I can only imagine that, that it gave you inside uh, a greater sense of strength of, um, yeah. and confidence in, in being able to be who you were at that point. 
Yeah, 100%. So um, now take us to um, present day when um, what what was the situation where you were uh, being asked to write this piece about yourself uh, in the uh, school publication? Yeah, so every month two seniors are chosen for the senior spotlight to go in our school's monthly issue um, of their newsletter. So they sent me a list of the questions before our holiday break and said, can you fill these out before break and get them back to us? Cause that's supposed to be featured in the January edition. I was like, yeah, no problem. Like, thank you. Like, this is great. Cause like senior spotlight's kind of like a big deal. You know, they only pick two people every month. So not every senior gets to do it. So I was really excited. So I filled out all the questions and the question was, what's, what was your biggest challenge and like, how have you overcome it? So I answered that, you know, my biggest challenge was definitely growing up gay, having to navigate through bullying and navigate through, like, coming out and just, like, life in general and, like, all the negative experiences that I've gone through. And I sent them my questions back. And then on Thursday the 6th, I was um, stopped in the hallway by our principal and was brought to his office. And he said – he kind of started with a speech saying, you know – his goal, like, to give everyone the necessary opportunities they need to excel in life because we only had this one life and everyone should be able to kind of, you know, live it to the fullest, which was kind of contradicting to what he said next. Um, <laughs> like, cause he, if you're straight. Cause he was like, yeah, he started saying, but, and then he was like, wait, I don't want to say but because if I say but, then that gets rid of everything that I just said. And I was like, well, you kind of already did. Um, he yeah. said, so instead, I'm going to say, with that being said, I have to support everyone and I have to keep everyone in mind. And he was like, so I'm going to let you know that we either you either have to rewrite this or you have to take it out. And I was like, so much for supporting everyone and giving them everything they need in life to excel. Um, so I was like, how about this? Instead, I don't. I'm not featured in the senior spotlight. I said, if that can't be in, then I would rather not be in either. Um, and he said, you know, I, I don't want that to happen. Um, he kind of started with, you know, that I didn't think that was going to be your gut reaction. He said, I admire that it was. It's like an honorable answer. But I don't want that to, I don't want you to do that. I hope you reconsider because you're such a unique person to walk these halls and you're such a positive face in our community. Then at the same time, he's trying to silence one of the biggest parts of me that's made me who I am. Um, like, oh you know, overcoming challenges is what makes is what makes you who you are. And clearly, it's my biggest challenge because, I mean, he's he's showing that. Um, and I was like, well, you know, I just I really don't want to go through that. You know, I don't want to have to not do that. So I was very upset. So I called my mom and I'm like. Sign me out right now. Uh, I don't want to be here. Um, I feel very uncomfortable, very like unsafe in this moment, and I just, I just want, I want to leave. Um, so she signed me out, and I actually walked over to her work because she only works like on the street. So I walked there and I explained to her the situation, and she was obviously upset. So she called, right. um, she called our school to talk to the principal, and he essentially told her the same thing. And, and something you told both of us was that he can't put it in due to district policy or, like, school policy about the newspaper that says you can't include any religion 
sexuality, sexual orientation, or illegal drugs. Um, we later found out that that policy was completely made up, that that doesn't actually exist. Um, and then I also ha- actually had found a senior spotlight from the past that explicitly mentions religion that goes into pretty big detail, actually. Um, and so I was, I was very upset, you know, and my mom was like, you know, you don't know Tyler, you don't know what he's gone through. Those are just three sentences about the challenges he's overcame. He's overcame. If you knew exactly what happened, like how sick I was and everything, like, I don't think you'd be asking him to take this out because you're kind of putting him back into the same position he was before. So, no, it's, I, I just want to reflect on this Tyler, a little bit with you because here you were, a, a, a young kid who had to deal with all this stuff, who was obviously um, not at the top of the class, not the guy in the school um, in your previous incarnation before you came out. You ever overcame all of this, which, by the way, even if not everybody in school has to come out or has to deal with being gay, everybody has something. That they that is part of their identity that they do have to deal with, and you know it's like right. transgender kids have it incredibly tough. But even kids who are you know it's not their sexuality or their gender identity, they have something. So your path and what you did, and you're just being there, and the the reason you were asked to even be profiled is already heroic. So it is right. just absolutely astounding that somebody with any kind of intellect at all could look at you and, and not see that is, is, is mind-boggling. So, um, yeah, so how did you guys find out that he was lying about this, quote-unquote, school policy? Um, I was in contact with the president of the school board who, so Thursday I made the TikTok about the situation, um, and by the time I got to school the next morning, it had about, it had about 12,000 views. So the school board president reached out to me that morning um, before I went to school and said that she heard about it and she was going to meet with the superintendent and the principal that day and that I would be featured. So her and a few other people went to meet with him. And then when I got to school, he asked me to come back into his office where he said that they changed their mind and that they were going to keep it in, obviously because my video was getting a lot of attention. Right. So she, we then had a conversation later that night where she was like, I just want you to know that that, that policy does not exist. And then we come to find out later that cause the superintendent, we were told by our principal, my mom and I were told that it wasn't his, original decision that, or like it was, it's like an administrative decision. It's a policy that's in place and that's why it couldn't be, you know, put out there, but it was actually his idea to exclude it. So he called the superintendent and was like, essentially, can we take this out? And the superintendent kind of agreed and pushed it forward. Um, But the superintendent has been lying. So he he was trying to present, I'm sorry, so he was trying to present that the policy existed, but he was overriding it? Is that, is that no, how he was, he was trying he was to represent the, it? He was saying the policy that was put into place was saying that I couldn't 
like, include that I was gay because um, it included sexuality. Um, and that it wasn't his original decision to take this out. That, like, he has no control over that being in there. Right. Um, but then we found out the policy wasn't real and that he actually asked the superintendent if he could take it out. In which the Got superintendent it. was like, yes, yes that's fine. Um, and now the superintendent, in all of the community letters that he's put out to the community and any statement that he's made, is saying that it was his original idea, so that the principal isn't kind of taking the fall for it. Because the principal the, wasn't even the there for seven months. The superintendent wanted, wanted to remove your piece. It's, yeah, essentially. It's, oh, yeah, I, they both got did. it. Um, it was it was the principal's original decision. He took it to the superintendent. The superintendent agreed until I posted the video and it got recognition. And by the time I met with him yeah. on, on Friday, I had already been in contact with the L.A. Blade. And, and I told him, I said, just so you know, I, I do have an interview after school about this story. And I plan on doing it. Yep. Good. Good for you. Um, Kyle, I want to go back to you. So I'm sure at that point you had heard about um, what was happening with Tyler. What, what was that like for you at that point? Yeah, so um, I actually got wind of it um, probably around 5.30 on that Friday. Um, I was actually out at a happy hour that turned into an unhappy hour. Um, a community member had sent um, a message to me saying, you know, hey, did you hear about our home and principal? And I was like, oh, I haven't heard anything. Um, and then they had sent one of Tyler's TikToks. And um, at that moment, I was literally beside myself because, you know, it was kind of like the, the same feeling, everything coming back, all like not feeling great, um, psychosomatic uh, stomach, everything. I was nauseous. I said, you know, I can't believe this happened again. And my biggest fear had come true. Um, so mm-hmm. here I am this week or that weekend, I'm, I'm looking at all of Tyler's videos. And, you know, I'm not, I'm not friends with or I'm friends with Tyler on TikTok, but he doesn't follow me. And I'm like, how do I, how do I reach a student? Like, how do I get to him? I don't know how. Like, I sent him a message. He wasn't, wasn't able to read it. Um, I'm not, I, don't, I didn't have this discussion with Tyler, so I'm not entirely sure um, how he got the information about my story. Um, but I, I am more than happy that he received that information because I was distraught and beside myself because all I wanted to do in that moment was help Tyler um, and, and figure out how to get um, – to him and, you know, make sure that he was okay. Um, what I immediately did, though, was, uh, you know, I had thoughts of resigning from my position when it happened to me, um, but I, I resigned from my position right away because in my heart of hearts, I knew um, that I wanted to go to battle for something like this with Tyler and that as an untenured teacher in your state, if, if I was going to go and try and help Tyler on his platform, then I was going to need to resign um, and, and stand up for what is right. Because if I if I yeah, had resigned, no. I would have been I would have been fired. Right. So um, where where are you now? Are you are you you are officially resigned? So I have put in notice. My um, last day with the district will be February 25th. Um, I just want to make sure that all my uh, elementary kiddos get set up with someone that will be able to help them be successful. Because um, that that's my goal, and it was a big fear of mine, you know, in, in the in the time being that I would get thrown with some kind of accusation, um, mm-hmm. in terms of like what was going on and stuff, where they would have credibility to fire me. 
Um, so, you know, I, I spoke with legal representatives and, um, you know, I got a lot of information about what they could do and what we could do. So I, I feel like I'm in a way more comfortable spot right now in terms of being able to, to um, finish out my time and make sure that my students are set up um, to be successful. Well, I, I hope I hope your your ending there is even happier than this. I hope they come back and and um, take care of you even better. Um, Tyler, how did you find out about Kyle's story? Um, we had a one of my friends' mom actually organized, what texted me about just the whole situation and told me about Kyle's story. This was on I think of, this was on Saturday, and then. Sunday, she had organized a um, community Zoom meeting with, you know, people of our community that could show up so that we could discuss what we wanted to do at the next board meeting so that we didn't just go in, like, mad and screaming. We had a plan, and we had what we wanted to ask for. So then she told me Kyle's story, and then later that night on the Zoom meeting, Kyle kind of told more of a story, and that's when he told everyone that he was resigning and I instantly just got, like, emotional of the fact that, like, it, it had to come to that. But I was also, like, it made me feel heard and also that, like, someone that's gone through the same thing as me, is, like, to know that someone is feeling the exact same way because it had happened to them before. Because, like, while everyone else is also really upset and really hurt by the fact that this happened, you know, people that it, like, directly affects, like, Kyle and I are really the ones who know exactly how it feels. Mm-hmm. And... You know, the fact that it, that Kyle you know, felt so strongly about this that he wanted to resign was just was crazy to me. And it's only gotten crazier since then. Yeah, uh, before we get to the craziness, um, what, um, what you got a lot of actual support from a lot of the other students um, when your TikTok came out. Uh, what, was, what was that like? Um, yeah, so it was. I was kind of shocked. My first TikTok video went up on Thursday afternoon, and then <clears throat> a lot of my friends started sharing it on their social media. So the views just kept going up and up, and I was like, okay, this is getting kind of insane. I did not expect this to happen. And then over the weekend, uh, I had people reaching out to me saying that people were making signs and, like, they were handing out little pins to put on people's shirts and, like, they were making stickers and all kinds of different things. And I was like, wow, this is like, this is not what I expected at all. And then I walk into school Monday morning and there were posters on the wall in support of me and like other LGBTQ individuals. And I, I was blown away. And I, I, and it just made me feel so like I, like I wasn't alone in the situation and that I had people standing behind me. No, it's ironically because, and this is, this is kind of the, the big irony of a lot of this stuff is that it had, had the guy not been a jerk to begin with and had just let your piece kind of just run, there would have been a lot of people that would have liked it, would have thought that was great and everything else, but it kind of would have just sort of folded into the fabric. And through his being a moron, um, it has is, is become much bigger and much more impactful. In other words, your impact it's probably been stronger than it ever could have been. Um, so he he um, he blew it on on so many levels, um, including his yeah. own intentions. Um, so um, 
what's the latest developments? What, how, how crazy has it gotten? Well, so Monday morning, my mom calls me and says, I just signed you out. You need to get here as soon as possible. So I go over to her work. Channel 3 and Channel 5 were there to interview us when I got there. Um, and then right after school at 3.15, had an interview with Channel 9. And then right after that, I had an interview with Spectrum. Um, and, I, and I was already coming onto this show. And everything just kind of blew up, like, locally in less than, I don't even know, like, 24 hours, honestly. I had interviews with Channel 3, Channel 5, Channel 9, Spectrum, Syracuse.com, you know, so many places. And I was like, wow, this is kind of crazy. And then I made sure that anyone that contacted me for an interview was also contacting Kyle because I feel that his, his part of this story is, just makes it even more, like, important to fight because this it can't be looked at as, like, oh, this is the first time it happened, so we're just going to be like, oops, like, won't happen again because that's what happened last time. Right. And from there, and now my video what, has about go ahead. Now my video has about sixty-three thousand views. Last time I checked, we have a Facebook page that has over six hundred people in it, almost seven hundred. There's a petition that has like over eighteen hundred signatures, and it, it's just gone kind of crazy. And what's what's happened or come out about the principal and or the superintendent? Any new um, insight into those people? I've had a lot of people um, reach out to me and like or comment on my videos or directly text me or someone else. Uh, we also have an anonymous kind of like submission thing where you can kind of see people are putting their past experiences with the principal and the superintendent in their old districts, in their current districts, things that they've gone through and things that both of these people have put them through which kind of just strengthens their argument of, like, why they need to go, like, why they need to be removed from the positions that they're in, because this has happened so many times before that, that they shouldn't have the platform to do it again. Um, this is a question to both you, Tyler, or Kyle. Do, do, can you characterize what the background of these two individuals is? Or, I mean, are they hyper-religious? What, 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 what is do you see as their background motivation? Because obviously this is intentional. Obviously they're trying to oppress um, LGBTQ people um, out of their experience, um, regardless of whether he had to give this talk about how everybody has worth, et cetera, et cetera. Um, to Tyler's point, he's not walking the talk. What, what is it about these people that is motivating Um, Tyler, I'll go ahead. <laughs> okay. Um, I mean, from my perception of the high school principal, to be honest, and, and what um, the feedback we've gotten from community members and other people is it's, it's very much the sense of he's a good old boy, um, like the athletes and the popular kids and things like that. Um, and, and in terms of the superintendent, I'm going to be 110% honest. It's very hard to read the man. He doesn't really show a lot of feelings or emotions. Um, he doesn't really talk a lot. He's not super engaged in the school. Um, so, you know, it's really hard to tell with him what his background is. Um, he doesn't really share a lot. Um, I know from other community members, one of the big things is he refuses to move to the area um, in order to, like, live in the district. So that's been kind of pushback from the community. Um, but, yeah, he's a, he's a really hard gentleman to read. 
And what, where is the situation now? Uh, I mean, obviously, um, they agreed to publish um, Tyler's piece. Um, Kyle, your piece was, was published. Um, is basically the backlash now focused on these two individuals and whether they should be left in place um, when they're obviously mm-hmm. acting irresponsibly um, to people right. who and are at risk? Right. And, you know, I, I think, and I, I won't speak for Tyler, but I'm pretty sure we're still pushing for them to step down. Uh, yeah. Because, you know, we're really emphasizing, I, I think it's great that they're going to write our letters. Um, but the thing is, the, the feeling that comes with that conversation that they had with us um, is, is, you know, if Tyler didn't have the support network that he had, and if I didn't have the support network that I have and the skill set, um, you know, someone could have very gone, very well gone home and killed themselves. And, you know, I'll say that mm-hmm. I've worked with kids in the past um, that if this was that to him that, or him or her or whoever, that that would be game over for them. And, you know, what I really emphasize with Superintendent Hughes is, you know, I'm not going to lose a student because of something stupid that was said to them. Yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, Tyler, that's part of your story, too, that, I mean, there's some some real heroes behind you from your mom to the, the therapist to, you know, the, the people who help, help write your path so that you could find yourself and be yourself. Um, but you, you kind of are a miracle yourself because um, a lot of kids don't come out of that. And um, that, that is why you speaking out and being you is important. I mean, this situation is ridiculous. Um, the, the guys are idiots. And um, I won't use my foul language in front of a teenager. <laughs> so I'm censoring a little bit on what I really feel about these guys. Um, but the, the real inspiration is you yourself, um, because I think you're going to do great things. Um, and you've, you've gone through something very difficult, and you are – you gain strength from it rather than let it get you. And it gets a lot of people. Um, so your, your position as an inspiration to them is super, super important. Um, so, guys, what, what do you see as the next steps on all this? So, I mean, I know Tyler and I are continuing to work with, like, media here and kind of seeing where things progress. Um, I mean, uh, to be honest, I mean, it's been a very overwhelming experience for both of us, and I'm so glad that we kind of keep in touch um, on a daily basis now about how we're feeling and we're checking in with each other. Um, You know, it's almost like every time a superintendent sends out a letter, we kind of both take like a mental health dip, and it's just not such a great feeling, um, but we're both there to support each other. But I'm going to be 100% honest, like as we're kind of um, discovering, you know, discrimination among higher administration, we're finding little pockets almost on a daily basis where there's other discrimination in the school. Um, and it's, it's, you know, it's difficult to tackle. I think Tyler and I both take turns on it about, you know, how to finagle, um, who to talk to, what documentation to get. Um, so it's, it's still very much an ongoing thing for both of us. Yeah, for sure. Actually to talk on that a little bit. Um, last night I was informed by one of my um, friends, that an English teacher in our school decided to take my articles and put them into a class assignment on credibility and reliability and kind of telling all of our students that like what I'm saying can't be trusted, that like I'm lying, 
um, her and another teacher that have been, like, working together constantly. One of the teachers didn't uh, make the assignment, but they've been actively talking about it for the past two or three days, and she's making it a point, it seems, to not call on my friends in that class, to only call on the people that are agreeing with her who are siding with the superintendent because she is our school's union uh, representative. And the English teacher has been, you know, kind of, she made that assignment and I actually got it shut down today. So the assignment will no longer be, it's no longer happening. I made sure to get it shut down. Uh, but the local news is actually going to interview me later tonight and talk about that and how I, how I kind of felt about that whole thing and how I got it taken care of. Yeah. The, that, that I'm, I'm just appalled at the supposed adults acting more ridiculous than than kids are supposed to act. I mean, this is this is craziness. Um, Tyler, how did you get that shut down? Um, so I found out about it um, last night. Instantly called Kyle, and I was like, I don't know what to do. I was actually um, I had I was leaving dinner. I just had to pull over because I was so upset. I was crying. So I pulled over and then I called Kyle and I was like. I don't know what to do. This is what I just found out. Like, I don't know what's going on. And he was like, this has to go public and this has to go public right now. So I went to our Facebook page, published it. Um, Kyle reached out to the local news lady who's been so like amazing and, you know, in like in contact with us, making sure that everything's still going, you know, okay ish and just keeping like wanting to stay in the loop, you know? And so I, he contacted her, and then she contacted me this morning about it, um, and, all, and wants me to talk to her about it. But we had parent, or we had people like from the community who emailed the school, who called the school, who emailed those teachers. The our like legal representation brought it to the school's attorney's attention, um, who agreed that it was poor judgment on both of these teachers' part to have the discussions that they're having and to make an assignment about the situation, and it. My mom came to the school first thing this morning, and we had a meeting with our guidance counselor and the assistant principal and got it taken care of immediately. Well, excellent. And and stay on it. I mean, you again, you guys are doing great work, um, and um, this is necessary. Because it's, it's really appalling that teachers feel they have such carte blanche um, to, to behave this way. I mean, I don't even care what the issue is. It's like, that's just um, so unethical, and I, I, they're supposed to be examples for you guys on, you know, the classy ways to to handle things and diplomacy, and you know, um, you know, not that everybody has to agree on everything, but you know, this is this is so passive aggressive um, and and just horrendous behavior. Um, I want to bring Brody in on this, um, Brody, because um, you uh, you helped break this story um, at the LA Blade. Um, James Finn was the author um, of it in the Blade. Um, how did that all come about? And shout out to James um, for his work. Uh, Jim is one of the most progressive voices uh, in the LGBTQ uh, movement. Uh, he's a former Air Force intelligence officer. He was a former member of ACT UP. 
Uh, Jim runs the very popular median website, uh, Prism and Pen, for the LGBTQI writing community. Um, he has been a Los Angeles played columnist now uh, almost for two years. Um, he has uh, amazing intuition. Uh, he, he's a gentle soul. He's a dad. He lives in Michigan. And he's, he's got the kind of investigative reporter's intuition uh, that I appreciate, uh, not only as an editor, but as a political reporter. Um, and, uh, you know, Jim and I often see eye to eye on many, many uh, different issues. And, you know, when he brought me this story, my initial reaction was anger. Um, as I told uh, Tyler and Kyle uh, in a separate phone interview I did with them, um, you know, I've covered a lot of LGBTQ kids who've killed themselves over the years. And it's just something that I find appalling. And I find it even more appalling and egregious that to this day, uh, we still have people uh, weaponizing something that is an immutable characteristic of a person and turning it on them uh, and creating harm and creating harmful rhetoric and not caring about it. And uh, so for me, you know, as the editor of one of the leading national publications for the queer community, uh, you betcha I'm going to get out there and I'm going to put the story out there. Um, I said this to Tyler and Kyle both off air. I will now say it on air. Um, I am in awe of Tyler. I'm in awe of his generation. Uh, these are the kids that marched uh, once the school got shot up in Parkland, Florida. These are the kids that organized political. These these kids you don't mess with this generation is pretty damn special. And to have someone like Tyler uh, with his background and the backstory, the courage that he shows, the courage that he has shown and continues to show is definitely worthy of applause and props to him. Kyle, uh, again, uh, you know, it, it's a very difficult thing. And I'm glad to see that when we have adults like Kyle who are creating safe spaces for queer youth, they need to be held up and applauded for the work that they do, not, you know, denigrated because they're different or because, um, like in the case of this obvious homophobic principal who decided, oh, well, we're not going to have you mention your husband because we don't like that. Well, you know, my utterance to that is unprintable, but, you know, props to Kyle because we need more people like Kyle who will give these safe spaces to these kids that will continue to get, you know, I'm hoping more of these stories out there to prevent stories like, you know, Tyler's from happening. That's kind of hopefully the goal. So on behalf of myself and the staff of the Los Angeles Blade, I thank you both. Thank you. Thank you. And Brody, is there any other, since you've been so tight on the story, are there any details that we haven't talked about that you think we should be asking about here? No, I think that you guys covered it. I, I, I think that the basic bottom line here is that, you know, uh, Tyler and uh, Kyle will be able to bring it home to Syracuse and be able to affect the changes there with my media colleagues uh, that will be necessary. And hopefully we'll be able to rally the community of Syracuse and the Tully school behind them and to correct these wrongs and to get, you know, equity and parity not just only for the queer students at Tully High School, 
but the kids of color, the immigrant kids, all of the kids. I think that's what's needed. And, uh, you know, I'm thoroughly convinced that, you know, we've at least been able to give them a national platform, which has brought a lot of attention in the spotlight uh, on the guilty parties. And I'm hoping that this will affect a change. Yeah. And, Kyle, I, I want to say particularly for you, um, I am really hoping that at the end of the day, um, as this plays out, um, that Syracuse wakes up and either doesn't have you resign or offers you a better position because you truly are a great value. You are the kind of um, worker that we want in the schools um, protecting our kids. Um, I have two sons. They are slightly older than Tyler. They're both 19, but um, I can only imagine, you know, them coming across something like this, and I would want somebody like you standing behind them and not this English teacher or the principal or the superintendent. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm really mortified that these professionals are, are in the position they are. Um, guys, I'm going to ask you the same question I asked Brody. Is there anything we have not discussed on this that uh, we should talk about? I don't think so. Yeah, I don't. I don't think so either. I mean, it, it, like I said earlier, it's been a very overwhelming week for Tyler and I in the last like four days. Um, but we we really really appreciate all the support and help that we've gotten from everybody. And you know, uh, we're just going to continue to support each other. Um, I think that's really important. Yeah, one hundred percent. I think. I think it is, Tyler. I I kind of want to get a last word from you though. Um, because, like I said, you, you've overcome so much. Um, you, you're standing up to the bullies. You're kind of David against Goliath um, on that. There are so many kids in schools across the country who are not able to do what you've done, that are not able to stand up, that are oppressed, suppressed. Um, what is your message to them? If you knew they were listening to us right now, what would you want to say to them? I think I would just want to say to, I think it's so important, especially now, to be unapologetically who you are, despite it being a really scary thing to do, because, you know, coming out, being, like, being openly yourself is is very, very, very difficult. Um, But also, if you feel that, like, you're being wronged and that you're, like, being silenced, you need to speak up about that because like in my case, I knew that so many other people are going through this exact same thing that I was. And that if I didn't take that to social media, if I didn't continue to make sure that this never happened again, not just in Tully um, and in the surrounding areas, but everywhere that there, that there are so many people that could, that could lose their lives that could, you know, but I want to make it known that there's always a better option. There's always, a more it, it looks up it really does it may not feel like it in the moment that you're in right now but i feel like taking your own life and, and taking that extra step is should never be the option it may feel like the only thing to do in that moment but i promise that it's not and and that you can go forward from there because i was in that same situation you know that that thought had crossed my mind before whenever i was in peak bullying and anxiety and but now look where i'm at and look what i'm accomplishing and it, it's possible to do that. And I think it's just important to know that you're not alone 
And but, you know, either way, you're going to have some kind of support system behind you, no matter what. Very well said. Um, very heartfelt. Very important message. Um, people, kids, kids particularly, need to hear what you just said. Um, you know, I, I, it needs. It's probably unneeded to be said at this point. But we are behind you. We're behind you, Kyle. Um, you know, believe in what you're doing. And it is important because people need to pay attention to this. Other people who want to enact the bad behavior of these administrators um, need to see that. They need to see that this is what happens when they do the things that, you know, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, they could do this with impunity and nobody would have batted an eye. And, um, in fact, people would have supported them. So um, kudos to the change that, that you're both making. And, um, Tyler, um, just a love and admiration to you. Thank you for being the most mature voice in the room. Um, you know, your, your future is bright. You're needed. You're needed on many, many levels. And um, I, I hope this moves you forward in that direction because, uh, you know, the, the heroism does not need to stop here. Um, so kudos, kudos on that. Yeah. I want to thank you both for coming on today. Uh, really appreciate hearing the story um, and being a part of getting it out there for you. Um, like I said, our, our blessings and thoughts um, and anything else we can do goes out with you. Um, I want to thank Brody for his work, um, not only here, but as editor of the Los Angeles Blade magazine. You can find that online, www.losangelesblade.com. Dot com. Um, you can even search me on there, and I have a few bylines there myself. Um, as for Rated LGBT Radio, we are very grateful for your listenership. Please tell your friends to subscribe. You can find us on iHeartRadio, on Google Podcasts, and pretty much anywhere your podcasts are found. Subscribe and listen to us every week. We have a couple of really great shows lined up for you. And I actually do know what they are, but I'm not going to tell you. So you'll have to just tune in and find out. Um, so for everybody here at Rated LGBT Radio and myself, thank you. Have a great week. And we hope to talk to you very, very soon. You've been listening to Rated LGBT Radio. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.